it's fake news. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this has now become a political show. Mondo. Mondo. Yeah. You like that word? I do. Have you ever had the soda Rondo? Rondo, no. Delicious. What is it? it I, 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 I forget what it tastes like. I'd rather have that than you ask me if I like a tissue. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's right, gross. right, right, right. You send me a text message. What are say, you doing, hey, Anderson? Hey, loser. <laughs> Paying off your debt. Maybe uh, that's why Al is in uh, Chile now. He's, he's lost hope. <laughs> Today, an episode of Your Money, Your Wealth so far off course that Al leaves in the middle of it to go to Chile. The fellas do manage to talk to guest Jackie Beck about her award-winning smartphone app that helps people pay down debt, and they get in some discussion about retirement readiness, taxes, and other foolishness. Plus, Jason Thomas, CFP, joins Joe to discuss ego, starving and stacking your way to wealth, and getting turned down in dating and in stand-up comedy. Now, here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I got some good news, finally, on uh, U.S. uh, retirement, Uh, because we always read these articles. It's gloomy. It's desperate. We got big problems. And Fidelity Investments, uh, they just looked at 3,000 working households that have started saving for retirement. Yeah, and they pulled everyone from La Jolla. <laughs> so, so there's a caveat here. 3,000 working householders that have started saving for retirement. So that eliminates half right? or more. 80%. <laughs> right there. But if you go with those, in a very affluent area if, in if you Rancho go, Santa Fe, if you go with those three thousand that are saving for retirement, um, uh, after tallying up how much they're saving in their four hundred one k accounts, their expected social security benefits, and other assets, Fidelity says the typical saver is on track to have about eighty percent of the income they'll need to recover uh, cover retirement costs. And you just go back. Uh, a decade, a little bit more, 2005, that amount was 62%. So now we're up to 80%. So that's good news. And, and to, to me, that to, I, I'm- How get- do they know this, Alan? Because <laughs> they, they- So, I mean, I'm trying to think of how they surveyed these people. I don't know. So they went to Rancho Santa Fe. <laughs> they went to- <laughs> and, and then La Jolla. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, all right. So they're saying- you're 85% funded for your retirement goal. Well, how does Fidelity well, they, know how much money that they're spending? How they, much that... They, 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 they'd have to ask some some basic questions, I guess. Like Here's what my experience is. Okay. And I don't mean to be doom and gloom here. But people lie on surveys that have to deal with their financial lives. Well, they're lying more now. Because, all right, I, I teach a retirement planning class. You know this. Yes. It's been many years I've been teaching this yeah, class. A decade or more. Yeah. Decade. That sounds important. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, it's 10 years. There's the Retirement Benefit Research Institute. Yeah. They do the survey of consumer confidence. It's the Retirement Confidence yes. Index. Right. And every year they're saying, okay, well, 70% of people feel very confident or somewhat confident that they're going to have enough money to cover the basic necessities. Mm-hmm. And then the other statistic is 70% of people that we surveyed, you know, um, feel very confident or confident that, you know, th- th- they'll cover, you know, the basics and, and, and be fine, you know. So almost 70%, hey, we're going to kill it in retirement. 80% said, hey, we're going to be just fine. Right. 20% said, yeah, we're not as confident. But we know what the true numbers are. Yeah, they're not near as good. But so, right? What is the average balance of a retirement account? Well, I think it. I think it hit a hundred thousand. 
Okay. For, for people that have retirement accounts. Okay, so hundred thousand dollars. But the average retirement account, if you include the people that don't have retirement accounts, is about ten thousand. Right. So that's so. How is that eighty five percent of their goal? <laughs> well, it's eight, so here, here's the thing. So it's it's eighty percent first of all. But but they, I'm sorry, but, I'm just raining on they, your, your happy they, parade. But they backed it up. Here's here's maybe this will give you some. Okay, so, yeah, give me some meat. Much. <laughs> Much improvement is due to workers saving more of their pay because the typical savings rate is now 8.8%, more than double the 3.6% rate in 2006. Well, they should be saving 20%. Agreed. But at least they're improving. Oh, so and, and I, that, all right. So then what, what is that? Everyone out there, save 8.8% and you're, you're right there. Boy, oh boy, you're tough. <laughs> now, I, I, I would say, uh, and it even says in this article uh, that... Uh, that Fidelity and other advisors recommend 15%. I would honestly say 15 to 20% is probably the right number that you want to get to. What do you think our buddy Mumula would say? Well, he was at 65%, <laughs> which is even better. I'm just trying to be realistic for, for everyone else. You're very optimistic. And 20 is pretty tough. Actually, 10 would be a miracle for a lot of people. Right. But anyway, the average here is 8.8. Whether these numbers are exactly right or not, that you can't dispute the savings rate. The savings rate's higher. That's a good thing. That is we, a very good thing. So, so do, we, I, do we agree on this yes, one point? I, I could sleep better at night. <laughs> the baby boomers, Joe. <laughs> are blowing up? They're in the best position. Are they? Cruise Crane. control. These are these are uh, savers born from 1946 to 1964, which I fall into that. So we're on track to have 86 percent of our income that we'll need in retirement. So I don't, we don't have to give up much. What what's the what's the backdrop of this again? How did they do this? Uh, Fidelity Investments looked at more than 3,000 working households that started saving for retirement. And how did they calculate the 86 percent? Is, is there a footnote there? No, no footnote. <laughs> I have to take their word for it. This is from Associated Press. <laughs> you you want you want to get into this study, don't you? Well, I do. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's fake news. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this has now become a political show. Changing the topic. Do you know, Joe? <laughs> That the one of the one of the benefits of this new tax law is to be able to fill out your taxes on a postcard. Yeah, it's you know, a pretty you know, big post. It's you, a poster. You heard, you heard about that? Yes. So that's what uh, that's what this article um, in Forbes uh, just came out. It said the new tax law is really really big postcard, and here's why: because the current Form 1040, uh, which is what most taxpayers use, and certainly most ones that listen to this show, includes 98 lines and boxes to, for tax calculations. And as we know, a lot of these lines just simply refer you to a, a schedule that's on another page. Right. So they're saying that the best, the best that this author can figure, maybe five or six of those lines might go away uh, of the, of the uh, what, 88 lines, I think is what I said. But they ha- they're going to have to add at least one or two or more for some of the new things, like that 20% business deduction. Right. Anyway, the point is, this is going to be a Mondo postcard. Mondo. Mondo. Yeah. You like that word? I do. Yeah. Or uh, El Postcard Grande. Have you ever had the soda Rondo? Rondo, no. Oh, delicious. Yeah. What is it? It, I don't. I, I, I forget what it tastes. Like. I think it was. It was like a citrus drink. Citrus. All right. It was like a. Um, like a, remember Squirt? Yeah. 
right? It's like this? Kind of. Kind of. Rondo. Yeah. We got to so, bring Rondo back. So, so I'm a baby boomer. So we're of the age where we try not to drink soft drinks. I'm saying I haven't seen Rondo in probably 25 years. This right. is when I was a child. When you were a child. I don't think I've had a soda pop in, um, I don't know, probably 15 years. See, I, I like soda pop. That shows you're from Minnesota. Yeah, so yeah, uh, pop was what we usually pop. call it. Well, we call it but so, then, we call it soft drink here in California, buddy. <laughs> I lived in. Um, I went to University of Florida. Yes. What do they call it? Coke. Just Coke. They don't even. It's a Coke. It's a Coke. Or Seven Up. Yeah. What, what what flavor? You know, I'm. I, and I was a bartender, <laughs> and then so I bring the guy a Coke, and he's like, "Well, I thought I, you know I wanted a I ginger want, ale. I, I want a cherry Coke." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, then why don't you just ask me for the ginger ale?" But everything's Coke. Everything, that, that, that's, that's what they call it. Yes. Yeah. It's like Kleenex you yes. know, instead of face tissue. What the hell is it? Well, there's no better name for it. I mean, what, what, what else would you call it? What, Kleenex? A tissue, I guess. Yeah. And I, I hate that word. Yeah. It just kind of grossed me out, actually. Yeah. I, you know what? I would I, I would agree to agree with you on that one. Yeah. I don't so like what that word they, they call. It's, it's not That's ma- the Kleenex of, of well, it's, it's soft plus, drinks. Plus, it's not manly enough. It's like, uh, Joe, would you like a Kleenex? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd rather have that than you ask me if I like a tissue. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, right, gross. right, right, right. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, well, anyway, it's it's a it's a it's a big postcard, and, and you know what? That this postcard is going to have multiple pages to it. So there's going to be a lot of uh, the U.S. Post Office must they're going to get excited about this. I think. In, in your opinion, are you a fan or uh, not a fan of the Jobs? Oh, the Tax Act. Act? Oh, that's a that's a loaded question. Well, of course, this I, is... I, I I will say, I will say yes and no. How about that for non-definitive? Uh, I like the fact that um, it reduces taxes for many taxpayers. We reduce corporate taxes, which will help jobs, will help expansion. What I'm concerned about, Joe, is I don't think the increase in the economy is going to cover the shortfall in taxes. And I base that on what most economists say, which then means we would add more to our national debt, which means we're kind of kicking this debt issue down the down the road. Well, so that's my that's my quick analysis. Don't you think it's um, well? There's not a lot of arrows in the the quiver here if something goes bad, and so the economy is doing well, right? The market's mm-hmm. doing well, right? Unemployment's pretty low, right? Corporate profits are up. Yeah, so let's so let's lower taxes at a time when when things are good, right? Does that because, make sense? Because when when a recession happens, and by what the way, got? it you, will happen. It's like you okay, get lower more. Let's let's yeah, let's lower the taxes more. Whoops, we already did that. Yeah, that blew up. Let's lower the interest rates more. Whoops, they're already they're, all time lows. I mean, they they they've gone up a little bit in the last few months. I agree with that, but it but you're right. There's not much left, so to be able to get out of the next one, right. It, I mean, it's coming at some point. Who knows yeah, when? Yeah, sure it is. And so you just want to make sure that you are uh, prepared. Thanks to Joe and Al's BSing, I've just learned on Wikipedia that Rondo was the inspiration for Brondo, the thirst mutilator juggernaut from the movie Idiocracy, which to me is one of the funniest, scariest comedies of all time that has become a documentary about what happens when you kick that can down the road for too long. Welcome to the year 2505, folks. Get out your tissues. Anyway, if you want to make sure you're as prepared for retirement as you can possibly be, visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download our free retirement readiness guide. You'll learn little-known secrets about controlling your taxes in retirement and preparing for increased longevity, rising health care costs, Social Security uncertainty, and market volatility. And it won't cost you a thing to download the Retirement Readiness Guide from the white paper 
section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. It's that time of the show again, Big Al. It is. Can't wait. This is the coolest name I think we've had on the show. With this app, Pay Off Debt with or by Jackie Beck. Yep. That rhymes. It does. It just feels good. <laughs> you know, because when you think of debt, you get depressed. Yeah, you want to get that stuff paid off best you can. We have Jackie on the line. Jackie Beck, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you become a debt freedom expert? Basically by being really in debt and getting out. Um, my husband and I uh, owed over $147,000, which we didn't actually know until we had completely paid it off. Uh, and so we figured out what it took to get out of debt. And, and now I teach other people to do the same. So was that, did that include your home mortgage or was that other kind of debt? That was our home mortgage and credit cards, car loan, student loan. Um, I think we had a home improvement loan. So all the loans. So wh- when did you decide that, that okay, this is, seems like it's getting out of control? And, and, uh, and then what were some of the initial steps that you took? Well, I felt that way for a really long time, and I struggled and failed and failed over and over again to try to get out of debt. And then uh, when my husband and I got together, things really changed because we had a similar mindset, which I think is super important. And uh, what really was the catalyst for, for me to actually get this thing done was I had lost my job, and I couldn't find another one. And I was actually unemployed for several years. So when I finally got a part-time job, um, I thought, you know, I never want to be in that position ever again. I do not want to owe this money and have no way to pay it. And so I was super motivated. And so I started by paying off my student loan. And then things kind of uh, snowballed from there. Do you think the loss of your job motivated you more if you would have continued to have, you know, income? Um, was that the catalyst, do you think? It was like, oh, my God, here we go again. I uh, I need to buckle up, and I need to figure out a, a strategy. Um, wh- you know, Do you think that was the catalyst that helped you? Yeah, I think that was a huge catalyst because I realized that, you know, this is a, a really precarious situation. You don't realize, you know, what happens if you do lose your job until it happens. People don't want to think about that, uh, but it really made a big difference because, you know, I had this panic and I didn't want to feel that way again. So that was definitely a huge catalyst. You know, good for you because I think sometimes it takes a shock to the system to really change. And there's been stories after stories where that shock has happened to to multiple people many times and they still continue to do the bad habits. And so for you to realize to say, you know what, I don't want to do this, you know, and, and really take the bull by the horns is, is commendable. What are some of the strategies that you implemented to, to get out of debt? I mean, there's the snowmall effect or you pay the high interest. Were you using any of those type of strategies? How were you able to do this? Well, I did sort of accidentally use the debt snowball. I hadn't heard of it at the time, but I did basically focus on one debt at a time. And um, I happened to do the one with the lowest interest rate first. And so because that was my student loan uh so I did use that, but I didn't really know about it until afterward. Uh, the biggest strategy that I did was I stopped borrowing. And that sounds kind of goofy, but so many people like pay off debt on one hand and then they borrow on the other. And 
you're not going to get anywhere until you stop digging that hole. So that was the most important thing uh, to quit borrowing, build up an emergency fund, and then go from there on actually paying the debt down. And and Jackie, were you one of those that tore up your credit cards and just went to debit cards? Uh, yeah, I was, but that was sort of uh, unrelated. That was uh, happened actually when my ex and I got divorced. Uh, we had to cancel all the accounts, obviously. So I just didn't get new ones at the time, and that turned out to be a really good decision. So, so far, so, I mean, it's just, it, it has to be a disaster. <laughs> that's, well, that's, I, I got to lose my job, and my divorced, ex-husband, and then I got to do this. And then he's stealing money from me, so everything's got to be <laughs> cash. No, no, no stealing of money. But no, I mean, it sounds terrible, but actually, it turned out to be really awesome because life is so great now, and I couldn't have done it unless, you know, I made the changes. So, so let me ask you, Jackie, it's, it's, it's one thing to want to pay down your debt. It's a, it's a whole other thing to take the action steps to do it. And, and you've set up this app to help people pay off their debt. How does that work? Well, the app is a huge motivation tool, motivational tool. And basically, it's on your phone or your tablet. And you can use it. You can input all your debts. And it'll tell you like how long it'll take to pay off each one and how soon it'll be when you're completely debt-free. And then you can play around with it to see the impact of, like, if you pay a little bit extra, what difference will that make? Or if you pay one debt before the other, you can rearrange things. So it's really a good way for people to obsess about getting out of debt. And uh, obsession is super important. If you have a big goal like that, you want to focus on it all the time. And you want to be able to see every little bit of progress. So the app really helps people do that. Is that the, the, the stuff that's in the app, is that something that you were able to develop on your own? And, and, and so you kind of put this into an app, or is this something you kind of learned after the fact? Uh, well, I did the, the math on my own. And, uh, you know, my algebra teacher was right. I would use that someday. Uh, the, you know, the actual development, I hired people to code. And then, you know, the process, it's, it's, it's out there. I mean, basically, there's three ways you can pay off debt. You can do lowest balance first, uh, regardless of interest rate, or you can do highest interest rate first, or you can do it in any order that you want. So I basically put all those methods in there. So people can use whatever works best for them, and they can check and actually see what's going to be most effective in their case. What are some of the motivational tools that it, it, it will give me? So if I'm in debt, I'm using your app, how do I continue to stay motivated? Just by looking at the balance going down, or is there other things that you're using? Yeah, you can see the balance going down. There's like a little graph that shows it reducing, and then there's um, uh, like a bar graph, and then there's also a graph where you can see the slope going down. Uh, but the main thing that actually a lot of people like is the icon says paid. So every time you look at your phone, you see that, and you realize that you're going to get there one day. So you just keep keep at it. Why don't you send like text messages so if my balance goes up, you send me a text message. What are say, you doing, hey, Anderson? Hey, loser. <laughs> right? And if it goes down, just say, awesome. Yeah. You, you know? Little, little balloons. See, th- that would get yeah. me motivated. <laughs> See, I need it because I'm very shallow and insecure. <laughs> I, need, I need some of that. Well, um, yeah, I think the, I would agree with the awesome part. That would be pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to tell you you're a loser, though. <laughs> so I don't know. I could consider that in the future, maybe. So how so the people that are using your app, what kind of feedback are you getting? Oh, I get uh, really great feedback. People are super excited. Um, 
sometimes I'll get emails from someone who say, I've been using your app for years and now I'm completely out of debt and thank you. This helps so much. It's just, it's really nice to hear from people. And then other people have ideas like, like you guys on how to make the app better. So that's good too. Yeah, I, yeah don't, that, don't, that was really good feedback. Don't take any of Joe's <laughs> ideas. <laughs> oh, man. Well, pay off debt by Jackie Beck. That's awesome. That's, it is. that's it's really a catchy. There, you got to think of something with we, Anderson. Well, you know what you need? You need like a little ringtone. Yeah. So when you open up the app, it would be like, paying off your debt. <laughs> Right. See, With I got Jackie all sorts Beck. of we got, I got all sorts of ideas, Jackie. She's gonna hang up. On us. We gotta do this. <laughs> oh, so where can people go? Where can people download the app? Where can people read um, on all the great stuff that you're helping people with? Well, they can get the app on uh, the App Store or um, Google Play, and they can find out more about me on at jackieback.com. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, if you're in debt, here's what I want you to do after you check out the Payoff Debt by Jackie Beck app. If you're driving right now, don't do this. But if you're not, hit up yourmoneyyourwealth.com and type debt into the search bar at the top. You see all that great stuff? Should you pay off debt or save for retirement? Three innovative ways to reduce debt, the value of debt in building wealth, four steps to get out of debt, and tons more. Now, just try that with any personal finance topic you can think of. Type it into the search bar at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and see what you get. Hours of fun for the whole family, I swear it. If you search and you don't find what you're looking for, email info at purefinancial.com and give Joe and Big Al a piece of your mind. Maybe they'll even put you on the show. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. Uh, Big Al has left the building. He uh, went on vacation. He went to Chile, uh, but Big Al likes to call it Chile. Um, I don't know. He's just getting warmed up there. So filling in uh, for the big man is Jason Thomas. He's a certified financial planner. He's been the man on the street on our TV program. And uh, he writes a ton of blogs and teaches a bunch of adult education courses. Jason, welcome for filling in for Big Al. You got some big shoes to fill, bud. I definitely do. Thanks for uh, having me here while he is having uh, more fun than either of us can imagine in Chile. Chile. Is that what you call it as well? Not until he did, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to emulate Big Al in, in that way as well. <laughs> hey, well, why don't we do this? Why don't you give a little bit of a brief background? Um, because you live up in Los Angeles, uh, you help with our education without the firm. Just tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Yes, I've been doing some of the education uh, stuff with the company. Uh, our classes at various college campuses throughout the Southern California. Uh, region, including uh, in Los Angeles County, our two-day uh, retirement planning today seminar. And I've also been doing some education-related uh, videos uh, for the YouTube site at Pure Financial and also just some writing and other educational resources uh, for the site as well. So hopefully those, as those start uh, uh, trickling out, uh, people will be able to see and, uh, and read uh, quite a bit of that content. You know, it's weird because as soon as you came on board, our viewership went down. <laughs> I am. I am not surprised. Maybe. Maybe that's why Al is in uh, Chile now. He's. <laughs> he's. He's lost hope. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you, you know it's funny living in Los Angeles. Um, I live here in San Diego, and I'm originally from Minneapolis. And um, Los Angeles is an interesting part of the country. There's a lot of status um, when it comes to money. 
right? We were talking a little bit before we got on air of what people's perception is or ego gets in the way for making some sound money decisions. Yeah, I thought that would be a fascinating topic because it's been something that I've been thinking about just incidentally and and there isn't really a lot of um a lot of writing about it. I mean, we have terms like status symbol and conspicuous consumption that that come from uh someone that's been dead since the 20s named Thorstein Veblen. But there's uh, it's a it's an interesting topic that a lot of people don't think about at all. But we we all see that people, uh, not ourselves of course, but other people, are affected by ego decisions when they decide what to spend or what they want to own or what they want people to know that they have. And I think that this can often have a really big financial impact that people don't even really think that much about because again, no one is going to talk about that or it, people are, are reluctant to. You know, it's funny. I, I was just listening to a podcast and. Um they were talking how people looked at wealth a long time ago was by how much cattle that that um, that individual or that family owned. So they could count how many cattle, and they would say, well, there's a lot of wealth. And so th- it was a little bit more transparent. Now it's a little bit different where, you know, someone might have – you know, a, a million-dollar, two-million-dollar home and the nice car, but they're broke. Yeah, it, it, it really is uh, something that you don't see. So there's an even bigger um, possibility for people to uh, put on a front. And uh, a friend of mine is going to kill me for saying this, but we were having a topic because he's really into real estate and uh, and wants nothing else of any kind. We were just kind of chatting about various investment stuff. He's a successful um investment guy, but only in that area. And he eventually said when he was talking about stocks versus real estate, he said, you know, the problem with stocks, Jason, people can't see those. Um, You know, I want people to see what I have. And he was only halfway joking because he was, I wondered to myself when he said that, what have you got a stock brokerage account warming party? Yeah, right. We have housewarming parties, but we don't have a stock broker. So it's, it's not just that you're building wealth, but People perceive that as a way to build uh, social status as well, whereas their their brokerage account or their investments on paper uh, are not necessarily known to the public. Yeah, but you know, with that whole thing with real estate, is that I, you know I want a tangible asset that I can go and take a look at. Well, in, in the two thousand eight credit crisis, it's like, all right, well, yeah, we'll drive by that house that you spent five hundred thousand dollars for and look at it; it's worth two hundred. I mean, what's the difference? Exactly. I think I think for people, for many people, the difference is a, a symbolic one in some ways, and that that may or may not be a good uh, decision from a financial standpoint as far as uh, how one is is going to to build wealth over time. And we also have not just what people buy, but the choices of of careers. Everyone uh, seems to want in the recent past uh, jobs that are perceived a certain way. Uh, even if they're not necessarily economically beneficial, but there are shortages in the trades. And though there are very uh, quite a number of good jobs out there to be had, but many people don't want to take them despite that. And uh, I think the only, ex- uh, the only explanation for that is perhaps the perception that some people might have and how that might be getting in their way of an, of an economically beneficial decision in the same way that people's desire to spend on things that might have a, a very prominent public face might, might kind of cause a same, uh, a same problematic issue from their budget.
Well, you know, that's an interesting thought. Um, you know, my father was a cabinet maker. You know, um, he was a jack of all trades, I guess. You know, so handyman, he was an electrician, he was a cabinet maker, a carpenter, and everything else, and made a very good living doing that. Uh, but you're right, there's a shortage of electricians or plumbers or, you know, that, that, that are people that are working in the trade that make very good incomes. But they might say, well, I would rather have a, a, a different type of title. Um, so when I'm at a cocktail party, I can say I'm a VP, but they might not be making any money versus dealing, you know, hanging out and having a couple beers with some plumbers that are making three times as much. I mean, so, right? That's very interesting. I mean, I, I grew up with my grandparents, but my grandfather was doing construction and, and similar stuff, and he did very, very well doing that. But I think even um, even many people in that situation, they they are enamored with the idea of their their children going to college. I mean, uh, just, and I think part of that is simply the ceremonial aspect of you get to attend a celebratory thing at the end, you get to put the bumper sticker on your car, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that monetarily that's, uh, that's a good move. So some of those opportunities that are out there might be a great fit financially for a lot of people, and some of those jobs are, are you know, are fun and, uh, and have some uh, other significant advantages uh, to them as well. What jobs do you think are fun? Well, this one, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, not everybody, uh, there are a lot of people that would like to be outside or are kind of uh, doing what my grandfather or your, or your father did. So uh, that's, uh, I think, not something that they should overlook. And it's funny, you mentioned uh, the, uh, you know, being, being a VP or something. Um, that there's a phenomenon of of uptitling. Uh, like uh, I, I remember reading an article. I wish I could remember where it was a few years ago about certain firms that were uh, not able to provide uh, increases in salary to keep up with the market rate of what uh, their workforce was able to get elsewhere. So they were uh, more frequently uptitling. People were VP of whatever it was that they did, not just the title of what they did. People were senior, whatever it was. And a lot of people stayed for that reason, and I'm sure many people were incentivized to come to the to the role for that reason, which doesn't necessarily make any sense financially. I mean, the, the number is what the number is one way or the other, whatever someone's making, but um, uh, that's obviously an important component that influenced that person's decision. It is so true. I mean, right now, our company has close to 60 employees. And some of the biggest challenges, you would think, I mean, we're in the business of helping people grow wealth. And, you know, you got you know, volatile stock market, you have insane um, tax laws, uh, estate planning, risk management, everything else. And so we have very bright, smart people that work at our firm. But some of the bigger challenges that, that I've had is figuring out titles. You know, it's like, well, no, I want to be a director. It's like, well, there's no pay increase, so I don't care. You know, it's like, well, I don't understand that. But um, I guess you're right. There's a lot of, um, th th there, I guess there's something that goes with that. There's this status that, that, that people strive for. Well, it's funny for if, if we I mean, I would much rather be broke and not have a title, um, <laughs> Right. And then have this nice title, and you know, and, and be broke. I'd much rather have wealth without a title. I should, I meant to say, versus being broke with a with a really nice title. I I don't doubt that, and that would that would definitely make uh, make sense. But if you 
Uh, if you look at uh, the first job that I ever had part-time answering phones in the financial services industry for a major bank that will go unnamed was a job in which every single person in the department was senior plus the title, like literally every single one, like 60-something people. Uh, and I, it, it was just kind of a, of a running joke, well, senior to what? Everyone is. And I think you very rarely see a job for anything with the word junior in the title, <laughs> so, ob- obviously, because it's going to make it difficult to fill for, for that reason. Southern California, getting the tools and confidence you need to make informed retirement decisions requires more than listening to this crazy show. There are plenty of opportunities for you to learn from our team, including Jason Thomas CFP, in person at our two-day retirement courses or at our free monthly lunch and learn events. All of our classes are designed to give you the information you need to help you plan the retirement you've always dreamed of, in spite of market volatility. For dates, times, and locations for our lunch and learn events and our retirement classes in San Diego, Orange County, or Los Angeles, just visit the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. You know, you've had some interesting jobs. You're a stand-up comedian. Well, I I was uh, the target of many tomatoes in the Los Angeles area for a while. It's it's funny um, if you look at almost any any field. Like uh, there there are some things that people would uh, would never pursue if it weren't for something non monetarily related. So to to assume that that we are all these rational beings pursuing profit and we make decisions based on that. Well, of course, there are other reasons. I mean, I was looking to just have a good time and enjoy something. And But a lot of people, for whatever it is that they're looking to do, is uh, maybe they have a different objective entirely, and the money is just a, an ends, uh, ends to that. I, that doesn't necessarily seem like a crazy, uh, crazy premise. How many times were you on stage? And how many? And what was the biggest crowd that you were trying to tell jokes for? Oh, I would say probably, um, probably a couple hundred times. Uh, a couple. Was... <laughs> You're glunt for punishment. That's... Yeah. Well, you know the funny thing about that is you. Uh, there's just no way to get around that you're gonna be horrible for about a year doing that. And then most people are horrible after that. Just look at how many people you watch a stand-up special on Netflix or something. They're professionals and there's you, at least you still don't think they're good. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so there's just no getting around that. And then you see well-known people that are bombing like so-and-so that's really well-known at the club and they have an off night and they're bad. And it just kind of makes you think, wow, it, it puts things into perspective a different way. It's like kind of like the first time, Joe, do you remember the first time a girl ever told you to buzz off? And then do you remember time number 10? Time number 10 was probably no big deal, right? Come on, Jay. What you, uh, first, uh, what you, I'm still trying to experience that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's never happened. What <laughs> right. Well, no, it happens every day of my life. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm immune. It, it's just like it's old hat. Uh, You're saying it happens even unsolicited. They come up just in case you were thinking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just in case I was even thinking about approaching anything close to them. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah and that, that world is like that. I mean, it, it just becomes no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was reading this article about, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of individuals now that there's this gig economy, right? Uh-huh. In um, Market Watch, they did this article. It was like, try this two-income strategy, and you could retire with millions. And so, of course, right, that title gets your attention. It's like, oh wow, two-income strategy. 
And so it's called the starve and stack method. What do you think? You want to you get involved? I, I don't know if I like part number one, starve. That's not necessarily my thing. If you direct uh, people to maybe my uh, image on the site, they'll, they'll, they'll understand that. But, so how, how does that work? Starve and stack. What are, what are those? So what are you saying? You're not a yoga instructor at, um, on your spare time there. Uh, not, but, not particularly. I don't have the, the six pack yet. I got the keg. So <laughs> it's like, all right. Well, here, all you all you have to do is just live off of one income. So you get, um, let, let's say, a side gig for you instance. Right. So the reason why you came to Pure Financial Advisor, of course, was the title because you have a really good title. <laughs> I think it's called uh, Financial Guy. And uh, secondly, you can still do your stand-up. And so you can right live off of your stand-up uh, monies that you bring in, and then you just save everything else that you're doing you know, with Pure Financial Advisors. How does that sound? I think the person that wrote this Starve and Stack article did lived somewhere other than L.A., but I'm, I'm still listening because I guarantee you that person's going to be in a cardboard box here. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, what is the Starve and Stack method? It's like, well, all right, basically the Starve and Stack is a financial strategy that you can use if you have two incomes. Jay, you're a single guy, correct? Yes. So you need to get married or... Get like a, a few more jobs, then this will this will apply to you. So like the combination of you and your partner's salaries, or if you have a full-time salary plus a side hustle, live off only one. In other words, income A covers regular household bills and expenses. And then income B, you know, is uh, put towards your financial goals. I actually heard something that Jay Leno actually did this is that he would go and still do you know some um, side stand-up gigs and things like that and then his salary from the today show he tried to bank all of that uh, so he just tried to live off of the lower of the two salaries in in, in bank and um, I guess that's how um, why he's I guess so successful so I mean it does have some validity uh, it, to, to some degree but I don't know how many people that actually applies to yeah, I think a lot of the people, a lot of the people that I know are struggling to find the first job that that, that makes sense monetarily anyway. Um, the the gig economy, well, you might have a lot of jobs. You might be doing Uber and TaskRabbit and these other things. TaskRabbit. What's TaskRabbit? You can get somebody to do whatever. You just put a task. Hey, I need somebody to wash my clothes or rearrange this Excel sheet or whatever. And then is it TaskRabbit or TaskRabbit? Task rabbit. Oh, I thought you said pass and grab it. I'm like, what the oh heck? no! <laughs> All right, so that's t- another strategy. That's going to be somebody else's article. <laughs> that's you steal your way to wealth with that one. You, you pass people on the street, you grab their purse, and you're, you run for it. I don't think we want to recommend that one. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so task rabbit. So have you ever done task rabbit? <laughs> I have not. I've thought of downloading it and, and using it whenever I need, like some minor errand uh, done. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's there's a lot of stuff out there. But if you have five different jobs and none of them are necessarily kind of uh, knocking it out monetarily, then you'd probably rather have one that uh, is uh, uh, more substantial from a from an income standpoint. Yeah, yes, most definitely. Uh, but I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to to create wealth, I guess. And I think that the, the moral of of the conversation is, well, you know, what's really important to you, 
You know, is is it the ego side of things? Is it the title? Is it um, you know having the nicer home, but not necessarily being you know financially independent or or secure um, financially? Um, or is it on the other side of the spectrum where you know, hey, let's just live very frugally and and, and do some task rabbits and live off of that, and then when, you know you save your full time job um, earnings. So it it, it it could be all over the place. Yeah, I would be very surprised if it would be interesting to see people that are substantially high earners but are doing, uh, let's just say, very stressful or very dangerous jobs, perhaps, and then looking at people that are doing something like what you just described. Maybe they're getting by, but they're not living an extravagant lifestyle, but maybe they have something else. They're interested in it. They have more free time. They like what they're doing or, or the people they work with or whatever it is. There's something else that's the, the carrot that's driving them there. Uh, they may be happier. I saw a number, and I don't remember where this was, that uh, some researchers determined that money does have a substantial effect on happiness, but it stops doing so after about 70000 or so. Um, and I'm sure maybe that's different geographically and so forth, but I'm not sure how old that study is. But I, I can see that. I can see that, well, yeah, there's a certain amount that is going to affect uh, people's level of contentment or happiness in what they're doing, but then anything on top of that is kind of gravy. So I don't know. Maybe the solution is somewhere in between, or maybe everybody's uh, got got their own solution, and who knows? Maybe some people don't even aren't even aware of what it is that that they want themselves, and maybe that's kind of the uh, uh, the challenge for a lot of them. Yeah, uh, you've been doing this quite some time, helping people out. You're a certified financial planner, and you know we see people that don't necessarily have a lot of wealth, but they're the happiest people that you'll ever meet because they have you know their their goals are in line with their values and they've saved enough to be happy and um, you know they're doing different things and they're doing all the things that they want to do and even if they had a couple of extra million bucks or a couple extra dollars it, it wouldn't necessarily change their lives and then we run into people that have more money than most that are miserable you know they, they they're continue to spend to try to find happiness and they're not finding the happiness so they continue to spend more and so they have very high incomes but they're a little bit lost, I guess, in some instances to, to, to find their, you know, I guess their true wealth. So um, yeah, I, I think the starting point is really to, not to be all warm and fuzzy here with you, Jay, but, you know, self-reflective <laughs> a little bit and figure out what the hell you want to do with your life. No question about that. And I think uh, I would imagine the, the town that I grew up with uh, in Cleveland, Tennessee, might be probably economically similar to the area of Minnesota you were in. And you see a different attitude when you when you go to a place like um, L.A. or San Diego, just because you don't have the option to just kind of get by in the same way. So a lot of people, I think, in more um, urban areas might have the attitude, well, if I have to do something, uh, if I have to get up to the next level, that's not uh, really a choice economically, then um, maybe my outlook is different. So I think that might be one reason when I go back to visit, and I know I know you just went back to visit, there's a different type of contentment that a lot of people have that really they're living a lifestyle that would be very difficult um, here without necessarily needing to be at an economic level comparable here to do that. And they're, uh, they're pleased as punch. I mean, it seems like uh, when I talk to people when I go back home, the uh, kind of general uh, level of pleasantness, for lack of a better term, let's just say it's slightly different than Los Angeles. I was back home for the Super Bowl. 
I didn't go to the game. I'm from Minneapolis. I went back, had some family business, visited my family, but I took my nephew and we walked around the stadium. It was so bitter cold. It's below zero, right? And there's hundreds of people just walking around the streets like it's middle of summer. But they did have parkas on. They, they knew how to dress. I mean, I felt like, you know, everyone had the big wool hats on and snowmobile pants and walking around drinking beers at 830 in the morning. It was like, wow, you know, a little bit different. But I don't know how you live in that cold, man. That's why I guess I live in Southern California. So, uh, Jake Thomas, what um, you're writing some blogs, aren't you? Are you, are, are you getting some videos done? Uh, what's the latest blog you're writing? The latest one that I'm writing is, wow, we've got like five of them that, are, that should be up in the near future. They are all kind of retirement checklist related or the majority of them, like seven tips for uh, retirement planning. So those should be um, up and done in the near future. Oh, seven tips. Wow, that's marketing at its best right there, brother. Exactly. <laughs> Everything's a list now. You get like a <laughs> – no one, no one wants to read anymore. <laughs> oh, that was Jason Thomas. Jason, thanks for filling in for Big Al. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, and that's it for us. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next week. How do you even recap today's show? Let's say drink Rondo, don't say tissue, have an app that sings and tells you you're a loser, save more than is humanly possible, do some self-reflection, and you too could end up in Chile or Sub-Zero Minneapolis, whichever you prefer. Let's hope Big Al is back next week to write this sinking ship. Special thanks to our guest, Jackie Beck. Learn more about her methods for paying off debt and her smartphone app at JackieBeck.com. For more punishment, subscribe to the podcast at YourMoneyYourWealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes where you can always check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in this broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.